You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, lions and lionsettes and lion things and lion beings to, uh, oh my god, I don't even know what we're going to do here. Uh, welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. As I say every week, you know where to find us, homie? You know where to find us? Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I'm told they're the same. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. You're not going to catch me snitching. Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio app, and probably other apps too, I don't even know about. I'm Chris Perfett, Mr. Almost Perfect here, your host into a uh, very bizarre Lions takeoff. Jeremy Reisman is my partner, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. I'm at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, no spaces, no no hyphens, no nothing. Uh, Jeremy, we were really excited seven days ago. Really more like three hours ago. You were off the walls. You were off the walls, man. Uh, what happened? We'll Lions get into football it. Happened, man. Well, Lions football happened. You've already sent me a note saying, let's just get through this. But uh, I, I refuse. We will have a very good show for you as the Lions. Um, we'll get to that in one second. Real quick, though. Third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D with his doggo here. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. I don't know if you noticed, but my dog briefly exited stage left, went over to near the lamp and did the equivalent of what the Lions did in the fourth quarter and stared at me while he took a piss. So <laughs> what, what's I'm the dog's name? Here, what's the dog's name? Just so we can uh, credit him on this. Uh, that, that, that would be Goose. Goose. Good job. Good job, mm-hmm. Goose. Mm-hmm. Lions 27, Arizona Cardinals 27. You heard it. You heard that right. We have a tie in week one. And I don't know how react like I'm watching the reaction stream. You would have thought the Lions just went 0 and 16. We're going to tell you why they're not. We're going to try to give you some silver linings, but this one's a rough one to swallow. And there's some rough truths, rough truths to handle as well as I don't know what happened in the fourth quarter as the Lions suddenly took it on the chin, chin from Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury and pirate football as taught by Mike Leach in Texas Tech by way of Kyler Murray, who apparently discovered Hama and energy at the last second. That's a JoJo reference. Uh, Jeremy, you're mad. I want to give you the floor first before I jump in, because I feel like if I talk anymore, you are going to reach through that computer and punch me in the face. I'm not mad. I'm sick. Like, I'm just, I'm sick. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, this, I, I, and at some point I almost tweeted this out and I 
I knew better not to, and I'm glad I didn't, but I was just like, I was going to literally tweet out the words, 2019 season opener, greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than, greater than 2018 season opener. Wow. Well, I mean, I put my foot in it in that, what was it, Dick Stockton to enter the fourth quarter said the Lions aren't out of the woods just yet. And I said, they are out of the woods. Yeah. And everyone's Good killing me it. for that. Good call. Good call. Even when I'm the pessimist, I'm wrong. But I, I mean, and we'll get into it later and I'll, I'll be a little more calm later and, and talk about why this team isn't the, the 2018 version. There's a lot of things to, to take away that are positive from this game, but it's frustrating as hell when you look like the better team for three quarters. You clearly have pretty much an, an advantage in just about every matchup of this game, and then the coaches blow it for you. That That's exactly what happened. It, it's, it's frustrating as hell that a team that is so disproportionately better than another team and showed it for 50 minutes in this game, have it all fucking torn down. I'm sorry about throwing the F-bomb around, but having wow, it all look torn at you. down... In the last 10 minutes of the game, because this team got soft, this team got complacent, this team decided they wanted to establish a run in a game they weren't establishing the run in. They decided they wanted to play soft coverage, even though they were dominating Kyler Murray for 50 minutes and said, let's just give up the underneath stuff as long as we don't give up any big plays. And then guess what? You gave up big plays anyways. And so now here we're sitting at 0-0-1, which by all means, might as well just be zero and one because you blew a game against a crappy opponent in, in the last 10 minutes. So do, so what you're saying is, do I get the win on the predictions then? No one gets the win because the Cardinals didn't win. No one, no one, literally no one gets a win. (laughs) Nobody wins. Nobody wins. Nobody loses either. Nobody wins. Because you know what? Cardinals fans are right now are like, ooh, Kyler Murray, he's actually kind of good. We've got a good future. Throw that in the window. Anyone can, <laughs> anyone can play well against the prevent defense. Get out of here. Yeah, so that's the big story here is we're going to get into that fourth quarter, and we'll, we'll work our way backwards because, as I said, entering into the fourth quarter, it was, what, it was 17 to – no, wait – they scored that Hawkinson yeah. touchdown to go up 18 points. Yes. 24 to 6. It was 24 to 6. Excuse me. The, I'm already sweating here. And like that, that was it. Like that, that's where it should have been. Bam, you're good. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened after that. As you said, Jeremy, the Lions inexplicably started playing prevent defense with nine minutes to go. If you've watched a minute, of football anywhere. You know that the words prevent defense coming out of my mouth is preceded with, oh, and then you lost the lead. And you would be right. The Lions, for a briefly moment, did lose the lead. And then somehow, and I think that, I think our B block, Jeremy, is just going to be on this, is that bewildering timeout that happens. Which Can took we the not ball. do a whole segment on that, please? No, not a whole segment, but like, I don't know what happened there. And we're going to get into that in a second because I think that belies the fact that the coaching staff is the big story out of this because suddenly Stafford looked like he had the game to the, the play to ice the game and you took the ball out of his hands by calling a timeout. I don't know who do we even know who called the timeout? Was it Bevel? It's it's unclear right now because the TV broadcast certainly seemed to assume it was Bevel and there was a, a replay that kind of looked like he did it at the end of the the, pre, the post-game press conference. Patricia did what a head coach does and took responsibility for it mm-hmm. and said he technically called it, but, and, and rules state that an offensive coordinator can't call a timeout, but that doesn't mean that he didn't influence 
Matt Patricia's decision to call one. Or, you know, if, if your offensive coordinator on the play of the game is screaming in your ear to call a timeout, you're probably going to call a timeout. Ryan's, Ryan, before I get to my monologue, do you have any points? Do you have a monologue of your own? Any thoughts here? Oh, no. I don't have a monologue, so by all means, go ahead. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on this game, or are you just dead? Oh, I have plenty of thoughts, but we'll get to those. Okay. Let me start with the positive. Lions, fans, hi. Let's sit down. Let's talk for a second. I know you hate talking to me. I know Jeremy wishes I wasn't even here right now. He, I have been laughing like a maniac on Twitter, uh, and that's all I can really do. That's all I've been able to do for 12 years of Lions football. I know people like to say I'm not a fan, but this is my coping mechanism deal. Uh, Lions fans, let's start. This isn't the end of the world. This, this isn't 0-16, and as Jeremy said, this isn't 2018 either. You didn't even have the worst game of the day. That belongs to the Dolphins, who looked like were, they were a Sunbelt team getting their ass whooped by Alabama, all right? And now everyone wants out of Miami. The first time people in their lives have said, I want to leave Miami, that wasn't related to money, all right? Or hurricanes. Or yeah. hurricanes, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we could just shoot at the hurricane. You know, that that's an idea. Um <laughs> But you can't come in and play this one off either. This was a week one where, like, this is week one. We've known from the past, week one, you can't trust week one. Uh, But the failures out here are kind of astronomical to take away. And I'm not going to, I mean, this game had everything where you just... I'm not saying lose faith in the team, but if you're pessimistic about the team, this had something for you. This was a smorgasbord of that. We saw Stafford nearly give away the game in overtime, even though he was the reason why the Lions were still in it, which is like both sides of Stafford. We got good Stafford and bad Stafford here. We've got a coaching staff calling a timeout inexplicably out of nowhere, not trusting Stafford to do the good Stafford part of this. Uh, you, you have your offensive line disintegrating in front of our eyes. Taylor Decker is awful. Taylor Decker is absolutely atrocious right now. And you have, once again, the Lions playing prevent defense with nine minutes to go. I there, There's so much to unpack here. Danny Amendola didn't even run out of bounds when he needed to in overtime. I, I mean, they weren't going to probably get anywhere close to another Matt Prater field goal with the time left, but you at least you lost them the chance to even get there. Uh, here's the deal. 17 games in with this coaching staff and this fan base has no faith in any of it. I don't know what else to say. Like, this is bewildering. What This is not, this was like the worst way you could end your, end your off season and come into this regular season. The thing with ties, here's the thing with ties. They're not losses. However, depending on the context, they can absolutely feel like one. We, I've known, like, that's always the line I've said when people are like, oh, how can you have ties in soccer? Uh, that, that's it. It's, it's the context of it. You're feeling the context right now. The context is, is that you are up big in this game and it, it's gone. And so it feels like a loss. It feels like the biggest loss possible. But you didn't lose. The NFC North looks bad outside of Minnesota right now. They had a good game against the Falcons, but I don't think I put any stock in the Falcons. Uh, The Bears and Packers looked atrocious on Thursday night. So there's hope, but uh, we've been talking about the front line of the schedule, and this was supposed to be the one win that you could at least count on to give yourself a cushion. And man, 
I don't know where 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 we start other than that. Like, I mean, there there's silver linings we're gonna get into them. Hawkinson looks fantastic. Hawkinson was setting records out there. Hawkinson looks like the eighth overall pick. But then, as I mentioned, Taylor Decker. I mentioned good, bad, uh, Jekyll and Hyde, Stafford. Uh, Rashawn Melvin might be hurt. Uh, Danny Amendola made mistakes. I don't... The running game was absolutely not established in this game. It looks sloppy to start the season. And you just hope a lot of it is week one, and you're just hoping that the tie is just the embarrassment on the front of it all. That it's no more than that. I'm not going to throw out. I'm not going to throw away the Lions on a tie. However, I will say that I can't ask anyone to be confident right now either. Like I can't. I can't play both. I can't do either side of it right now. I'm not saying, hey, if you're confident in this team, I'm not telling you you need to bail. But if you're pessimistic about this team, I'm not telling you to buck up and get back in here. Because you can take. Because in a tie, it can go either way. You can take either way you want out of it. Here's what I'm going to say about all that. I'm confident in the players. I really am. I really think the Lions have a good set of guys outside of maybe Taylor Decker that played well. The defensive coverage looked so good. It looked a lot better. This defense didn't give up a touchdown until less than 10 minutes left in the game. After they started playing prevent defense. Yes. Yes. The coaching thing. This is why coaching is, is, but, but here's the ultimate problem is even though I'm confident in this talent, I'm not confident in this coaching staff. And I've said this before. I've, I've said, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with their approach to, to, you know, running the ball and establishing the run and stopping the, stopping the run as their main things. We actually didn't see that a lot today. Like, there were times, yes, they tried to establish the run, mainly late in the game, but they threw the ball a hell of a lot this game. So that was promising. But mm-hmm. in, when it comes to uh, managing the clock, when it comes to late game decisions, I know for a fact that me and Matt Patricia do not see eye to eye. And today was a check mark in in my column because he he tries to play where let's just not make a mistake. Let's ride the the very mere percentages and say as long as we don't make a mistake, we'll ride out this win. Maybe it looks bad. Maybe it looks close at the end, but we're you know the percentages say you know fifty one percent. As long as we just kind of ride this out, we're going to be fine. But that's that's just an old way of thinking. Thinking you'll run out the clock, thinking you'll play conservatively when that that works in an era of football in which everyone's running the clock. Everyone takes seven minutes to get a touchdown drive. That's not how the NFL works anymore. You can go down the field in two minutes. You can have a one mistake, whether it's you know Jalen Reeves made maybe falling down in coverage, giving up a 25-yard touchdown, suddenly your bend-don't-break defense isn't bend-don't-break at all. It's bend for two seconds and then break immediately, and suddenly they have one more drive in to tie the game. I just I don't like the coaching philosophy of this. It's the same – honestly, it's the same coaching philosophy problems that I had with Jim Caldwell. Is He just loved to ride that tiny margin of error way to a victory. And sorry, football's weird. Margins – you can't ride a thin margin of error because – even good players are going to make mistakes. And Danny Amendola is a perfect example. Had a great game. All game made a dumb mistake at the end. It happens. So you have to just drive the stake into their hearts at any point and never give up on the gas. Never and take your foot off the throat. Never take the foot off the throat. It, it's, it's such a dumb cliche, but it's so right in this instance. It really is. And it's something that's not – Matt Patricia is not going to change. 
he's made it very clear he's not going to change. So what the Lions are going to have to do is just play f- perfect football. I don't know if such a thing even exists, but they're going to have to somehow play per- perfect football. <laughs> There's no Especially such when thing. they start playing good teams. Listen, it's the third quarter right now. New England is uh, on Sunday Night Football. New England is like 20 nil on Pittsburgh. I don't think New England's going to take their foot off the, the gas anytime soon. But like, yeah, you're, you're right, Jeremy. Like, Chris, four, Chris no, you're, you're making an assumption after one half of football again. What oh, happened no. last time you did that? <laughs> what happened to me? What happened to me? Listen, man, I was looking at the box score too. Larry Fitzgerald had like, what, 17 yards going into that fourth quarter? And now he's oh the receiving God. leader on, on the day for, for, for the Cardinals, 113 yards. Suddenly, Larry Fitzgerald, remember, he's Larry Fitzgerald. Suddenly, Kyler Murray remembered he was the first overall pick in the NFL. I, I, I don't get it, man. Uh, even my, even my uh, Texas Tech fr- friend is like, how did you lose to Cliff Kingsbury? I'm like, no, we tied. And it's like, that's worse. And I just shrugged and threw up my hands. I don't know what else to say right now. I'm I'm tr- I'm desperately. I had my computer crashed and I lost all my notes from this game. And all I can say again is those points that I've hit. This isn't the end of the world, but it feels just so bad. It feels once again that all the ammunition is right there to start the season to say, "Hey, Lions, this is bad." Like, and that's it. It's like the Lions just don't get these these seasons to start out right for them and it creates perceptions and it creates pessimism and i think it's frustrating but at the same time too i don't think there's as you say jeremy the real reasons are there and i can't sit here and say you should believe in the lions because they're not really giving you a lot of this coaching staff in particular is not giving you a lot of reasons to believe in them and once again you bring up that coaching staff jeremy that's why I think that timeout is so symbolic of what this game was for the Detroit Lions. Matthew Stafford is driving. Matthew Stafford is about to win you the game, and they don't trust him. They don't trust him, and they call a timeout. And that's the story. Mm, sad story. Ryan, you have a bunch of notes, and uh, we're, we've got a few minutes here before we got a break, so mm. please get to them. Sure. So I think... One thing that really stands out to me from this game, and I tweeted about it really early on, is I talked about, or I, I sent out a tweet that said Matt Patricia would be so happy with this game ending 3 nothing, As long as he could find a way for every possession to end up in a punt or a turnover on downs or whatever it may be, if this game could end up 3 nothing and Matt Patricia could just skate out of Arizona with a win, he would he would be so entirely gleeful with it. And I think that... Even some people would probably be a lot happier now if the game would have ended up 3 nothing, uh, and the Lions would have came out with a win rather than a tie. And you, you talked about it a lot. The context matters, right? So knowing that this game was locked up, it was, what, 24-6, to right? Yep. 24-6 to after the Hawkinson touchdown, and it really seemed like there was not a snowball's chance in hell that the Cardinals would come back. And, Chris, you said things like, oh, you know, you know, Larry Fitzgerald only had so many yards receiving until the fourth quarter, and then they got the ball rolling. And then Kyle Kyler Murray remembered he was the number one overall pick. I, I don't know if I believe in any of that. I think I believe in in the thing that Jeremy talked about, and 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 you and you 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 talked about it as well. But like the Lions, just they stopped playing the game that they were playing on defense, and they decided to play prevent. They decided to they decided to play the clock. 
They stopped playing the Cardinals and they started playing the clock. And that was the most frustrating thing about this game is they chose to play the clock up 24 to six on the road. Over 10 minutes left. And they were, and, and one of my favorite tweets of the night was from Kevin Clark from the ringer. And he said, Arizona Detroit is what we thought it would be. And this was early. This was at 615. So mind you, this was two hours into the four hour like Titanic game that we watched. Mm -hmm. But he said, Arizona Detroit is what we thought it would be. The debut of a forward thinking offensive mastermind on the cutting edge of the sport. But enough about Daryl Bevel. (laughs) Daryl Bevel. I thought Daryl Bevel called an incredible game from from start to uh, until start to timeout. Uh, until the Lions started playing the clock. And, and and at that point, I don't know who's who's making the call. Is Patricia saying, hey, we don't know. Hey, hey, it's like I said, start, it's time to start playing the clock. It's time to go into your playbook and yep. and let's run the football. Or is that Daryl Bevel making that call? I don't I, well, know. I, I hate here's, to be. Yeah, go on, Jeremy. Here's the absolutely tragic thing about the timeout is that. It it negated what I thought was actually an aggressive play call. They could have run. I, you, I, was oh, yeah. you, I thought they were going to run the ball there and run the ball to the two-minute warning. Instead, yeah. they Daryl Bevel calls a genius play, and it was going to work. He got the first down. It was going to ice the game. Yeah, it literally would have ended the game, and it was it was an aggressive play call. We wouldn't be talking about coaching at all right now. It would be like, you know what? Lions had a pretty good debut. It got a little bit scary at the end there, but Daryl Bevel is, is a hero. Matthew Stafford is on fire. TJ Hawkinson is amazing. Our defense looks pretty good too. That's the whole storyline. If it isn't for a timeout, that's it. So, I mean, yes, if you want to, if you want to live in that, you know, alternate reality, then sure. There there are reasons to be happy, but it's it's just so frustrating that something so small, and this is what the NFL is. And also why you can't live on the razor's edge between a win and a loss and just keep freaking playing. It's just one time yeah, out. It I, ruins everything. I don't want the to say, narrative the I, I just I don't want to essentialize the game, but it really feels like this was a moment here. And look, man, I, who I, I know Bernie was on with us for the Vegas thing, and he says it comes down to five plays every game. Maybe those we could probably go back there and count what those five plays are and maybe confirm his thesis or not. Uh I don't know what else to say. If you had Arizona plus two and a half, congratulations somehow, I guess. Other than that, Man, we're going to take a break here. I'm going to collect my thoughts. We're going to come back, keep digging into this game. As as we've been saying a lot, there are some positives from this game, and I feel like we need to look a little bit on the bright side of life. But at the same time, too, we're going to be talking a lot about this throughout the show. Uh, it's frustrating. It's funny, to me at least. It's not what we've expected and yet at the same time it's par for the course sometimes when it comes to these lions especially with this co- and it's it's a big story about this coaching staff and I'll just say this this one part Jeremy and you can agree with me or say I'm I'm overreacting on this and we'll argue about it on the other side what the lions need from the coaching staff right now is someone to show some leadership that's a shrug. It's not a visual medium. We have we've been installing cameras. We're we're gonna work on some fun stuff for this podcast this year. We're gonna have this recording live on Twitch very soon. Uh, Jeremy just shrugged when I when I told him that. I was waiting for a reaction. He just shrugged. So he's not even gonna be. He shrugged again. He's not even gonna. Res- I, don't, I don't know. Like, what is leadership? What is that? That's such an intangible thing that I know. doesn't I know. mean anything to it, me. 
we could dissect it 50 ways, but I mean, I'm just, that's, that's like the starting thesis and I'm asking us to work the way down, but let's take a break. Let's get some drinks. Let's cool a little bit, dig deeper into this game and maybe look ahead to what's coming up next because the NFL is on fire right now and the Lions are part of that fire. Be right back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Pride to Detroit, PODcast. We're back here, baby. Rolling again. You can't stop us. Uh, let's talk about the one bright side of this game, at least the biggest bright side for me. And that was TJ Hawkinson. Look, I doubted a lot coming into this season because I'm like, don't preseason training camp. I can't buy it. I can't buy it. It's fake football. Uh, Hawkinson was real today. He was absolutely real out there. 131 yards. He broke the record for rookie tight ends. I believe in their first game. Is that what it was, Jeremy? It was a very specific yep. stat. Yeah. Yep. For, for, you know, Most tight yards in, mm-hmm. uh, in a rookie's debut. Yep. Uh, 131 averaging almost 22 yards, nine targets, a touchdown, uh, Ryan, the Lions have something special with Hawkinson, especially when it comes to his uh, Stafford's ability to really trust him with the ball. Oh yeah, totally. It, he was targeted early and often, and and that was something that was not super surprising to me. But Stafford tried to make a couple throws where he threw where he threw he he threw a couple of balls to Hawkinson in some pretty tight windows that really showed like how much trust he had in him because. While he's really good at while he's really good at creating separation, uh, like I said, there were a couple of passes that that Stafford made to Hawkinson that seemed like something that maybe you wouldn't put on a rookie in his very first game on the road, you know, playing the Arizona Cardinals. So everything else about his game though was awesome. Uh, catching, running afterwards, he had a couple of he had a couple of really good blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Amendola play. Yep, the Amendola play. I mean, there there was even the other uh, Amendola catch where Amendola didn't do very good in terms of awareness today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he, didn't have that, he didn't have that one big catch and touchdown, but there was another play where he had TJ Hawkinson as a blocker along the sidelines and just decided to go out of bounds. 
<laughs> which was a which weird was... sense of <laughs> yeah it was foreshadowing about what he wouldn't do later in the game <laughs> Yeah, but Hawkinson was obviously a huge bright spot. I think he was far and away, aside from aside from Tracy Walker, and, and we can get into his play too, but I thought he had an incredible game. But I think that TJ Hawkinson was definitely the bright spot of Sunday's tie. And and you bring in that trust factor between him and Stafford, and I don't think there's a play that's more emblematic of that than his touchdown, right? It was just, yes. He kind of threw up a jump ball. It was just like, <laughs> you're big. I know anything that I throw within the three feet radius of you is going to be caught. Go up and catch it in your first game, rookie. He did it. And, man, that that felt like it should have been the dagger in the game. And it would have been a perfect <laughs> cap to the night. Because I think cause that was the one that set him set the record. That was the one that put him up 18 points. It felt like a perfect way to end the night. Because things were rolling. Everyone's – I mean – you you heard me over the past month just how excited I've been about TJ Hawkinson and just how I was excited for you guys to finally see him. And you guys finally saw him, and he made a huge play in the fourth quarter, and it doesn't even matter. Look, man, I, I had Iowa fans tell me this guy's going to be special. Even though we had like other people who are like, hey, I don't know what to think about TJ Hawkinson. Iowa didn't have much of an offense. I'm like, okay, but that's... You know, we, we've known what he can do, and he absolutely showed it. And as I've said for years now, for years, what has Stafford always trusted? He trusts the safety blanket receiver. He loves the safety blanket. And ever since it went to Calvin Johnson to Anquan Bolin, that safety blanket has been inside. It's been an inside receiver. It was Anquan Bolden, then it was Golden Tate on short routes, and now it's TJ Hawkinson. And Andy Amendola. And stop it. I, I don't I, yards. I don't trust this game out of Amendola, man. I <laughs> maybe after next week, maybe I'll be saying, hey, I'll eat crow on Amendola. Right now, hey. though, man, it, it's not his stat line that bothers me about Amendola. It's his it's the mental awareness of some of the plays he made. That's that's I, my, yeah, I just I'm, I, a, I'm just gonna assume those are outer character because he's a 30 it's he's a 55 year old receiver or whatever he is. I'm just gonna say you were doubting Hawkinson after he dropped one. One preseason pass, and I told you I wasn't you stop. doubting him. I was just saying, hey, you isn't absolutely that weird? Were. I was not doubting him. I was and saying, I've, hey, isn't I've that been, weird how that works? I've been touting um, Amendola all offseason, too, and thinking, you know what? This could be a career year for him because he's already developing a chemistry with Matthew Stafford. It's off to a pretty darn good start because I think he doesn't have more than, like, 650 or so career yards in a season. Uh-huh. He's already a sixth of the way there. One game into the season. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, you have a standout, Jeremy. Do you have a standout player uh, from the? Okay, I'm trying to figure out the defensive side because I was going to say Jalen Reeves sure. Maben was my guy, but he did fall down on that play <laughs> for the touchdown. So I mean, we there are a couple. Honestly, I, there's a couple. I think there were some good plays all around. J- J- Jelani Tavai got a sack, which was cool. He did and yep. uh, justified a lot of things. Quandary Diggs balled out his brains. Uh, the one the one note I was going to have before this game went off the ground was that there were ten passes def- at least ten passes defended by the Lions yeah. against Kyler Murray. But at the same time, Kyle that might just be Kyler Murray's size. At the end of the day, he's he's less than six feet tall. There there were a lot of bad passes in this game, but th- you kind of lead me into into what I think is my big standout of the of the game, and I think that's Rashawn Melvin on defense. Mm. He had three of the eleven passes defended that the Lions had in this game. And looked really, really good as an outside receiver for, you know, three and a half quarters of this game. 
that that's been I think the line's its biggest source of of consternation of of stress with this defense is who's going to be that number two cornerback and and Rashawn Melvin had a quiet but solid preseason and training camp and he was good tonight he was not not okay not not bad not Nevin Lawson he was good and, and I think, that gives me a little yeah. bit of hope going forward and I think we need that out of him especially after the showing we had from Jamal Agnew who definitely falls into the losers in this conversation for a lot of reasons. Yes. For a lot Special of reasons. Teams, but. And by the way, we can say this was a pretty quiet night for Darius Slay as well, too. Like, I think that's by I, well, design. They weren't throwing to him, but still like, yeah, there exactly. were some plays where I'm like, why isn't Darius Slay covering Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah. But I mean, once again, that goes for to the, everything. Yeah. And that goes back to some of the coaching too. Like Darius has got to play where they tell him to play. Yeah. So, uh, any other standouts we want to talk about? Uh, can we talk about Stafford? Because again, I've been characterizing him as Jekyll and Hyde. Maybe I'm being unfair because like there was that play at the end of the game that could have been a pick six in overtime that would have ended it right there and then. But outside outside of that, this was a pretty good game for Stafford. It was a pretty good game. I think all things considered, the fact that a sieve would have done a better job at left tackle today <laughs> than, than what Taylor Decker put forward More on Rick, him in two minutes. Yeah, and, and, and Rick Wagner is really, I mean, he shouldn't be safe from, from criticism either because he had his hands full with, with Chandler Jones too. I, and I mean, I guess I don't want to underestimate, I, I don't want to underestimate how good those two players are. You know, Terrell Suggs drinks from the fountain of youth. He's, he's still good. Uh, even though he's so long in the tooth and Chandler Jones is, is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. So it, it's not like Wagner and, and Decker were up against chop liver, but I think that that definitely had an effect on Stafford's play. And the, the times, the times in which Stafford looked really good was when he would step up in the pocket. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of plays that he made with, the lower half of his body that set up an opportunity for him to make the throws that we know that we know that he can make. And, and that was the good Stafford. I think a lot of the bad Stafford was brought out by poor offensive line play. And then I truly think in overtime, he just had to been frustrated as all hell. Like I, I don't, I don't, I don't know any other, I don't know how anybody could really go into overtime and not be so completely frustrated with the fact, because I think somebody either said that they heard or something that either you could hear Stafford or you could read his lips when he said yeah. something about saying, like, trust me. Trust me. He's literally yeah. saying, trust me. He's screaming, trust me on the sidelines. Yeah. So, I, I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Like, my, my point is that, like, if but if you are an NFL quarterback, you've got to shake that off, though. Like, that's it. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I get it if the frustration's in you, but at the same time, like, if that was my quarterback, I'd say like, look, man, you just got to, sh- you got to shake that off. You got to get, you got to be like an MLB pitcher. Like, yeah, they hit a home run on you, but just get ready and just get back in it again. Don't fall apart. Just, just yeah. get back in the game. He, he still went out there and played, but oh, he did. I mean, he did. Even, even, even think about the things. I mean, he took a lot of hits too. I mean, he had two fumbles, one that he lost, which was, he took three pretty critical. big sacks too. That, that fumble that he gave up that he coughed up literally the play after Tracy Walker got that yeah. interception in, in Arizona's territory. That was, I mean, that that's another play where you can, if you want to talk about those five plays that make a difference, Chris, but I, I, I understand his frustration and, and I, and I agree that I agree that you have to be tough minded and you have to go back out there and you're only as good as your last play. But some of these plays that I mean, like Danny Amendola, what are you doing? Not going out of bounds. You're not even giving. The, you're not even. You're not even giving Matt Prater 
a guy who can probably make a 60-yard field goal in the clutch because we've seen him do it before. You're, you're not even giving him a chance. In dry air, in dry desert air, too, he would have absolutely had that leverage on that. The, like, nothing was stopping from, him. Yeah, the one from 55 that he hit at the beginning of the game would have been good from 65. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get to the offensive line, one more name we got to call out. Um, Trey Flowers? Pretty not, quiet night from him. Right up until he got the flag thrown on him, I believe. Was it the flag? Or yeah, am I, he yeah, got, he got a personal foul on the... Yep game tying drive for the right? Cardinals. Yeah. yeah yeah come on man it's it can't be yeah, that I'm, it can't be that it was, a, it was a weird day from the defensive front because and again this might have just been a coaching thing but they were providing a little bit of pressure and making Kyler Murray run and, and one guy I was going to mention as as a positive was certainly uh Devon Kennard three sacks in this game looked almost as fast as Kyler Murray at times um but then it all disappeared in the second half and, and Mike Daniels zero sacks and one tackle today. But that's the thing too, is like when this defensive line, like it's not that they can't just have a good game, but like, we know how bad the offensive line for the Cardinals is. Right. Yep. Like we know that it's bad. Like you should be feasting on them. And they just did, they, they did all right, but they could have done so much more. I will say this Kyler Murray watching Kyler Murray scramble sometimes is kind of funny. I don't think he's picked up how to really slide in the NFL yet. Remember how he was like, he, he looked like he could slide for that first down and he got spooked and started going backwards. So credit on the Lions for spooking him, I guess. <laughs> All right. Now let's tear off the bandage and talk about the offensive line. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say about Taylor Decker's performance. I don't want to harp on the guy because yeah, it we was don't wanna, yeah. one bad performance and I know we, we all came into questions this game talking about the guard position and interior and at one point I was like well you got to remember about these tackles there's a lot of questions about whether Taylor Decker can come back and, and play at the level he did in his rookie year and there's a lot of questions about Rick Wagner and you you can shake off their performance all you want and say hey it's Terrell Suggs, hey it's Chandler Jones those are two great talents here's the problem with that Lions play in the NFC North. Mm -hmm. They've got Khalil Mack on their schedule twice. They've got Everson Griffin on their schedule twice. They've got Green Bay's defense who looked a hell of a lot better with, you know, Zadarius, was it Zadarius Smith, I think is his name? And and they got two, they got two new pass rushers and they were giving Mitchell Trubisky hell on Thursday night. This is a really good division when it comes to defensive linemen, especially edge guys. So if Taylor Decker is going to keep this team afloat, help keep this team afloat, he's going to have to have a hell of a lot of per better performance because you could, you could tell by the end of the game, they were in his head. He was false starting because he couldn't keep up with Terrell Suggs, a guy 10 years older than him. And, and he was holding and it's just like, it was rough. It was really rough. And, and Ryan mentioned it just that, that strip sack that happened right off the tails of Tracy Walker interception I mean, that's taking points off the board. Lions could have taken three knees there and gotten a field goal. And instead, the very first play, lose that. So, and, and you know, over. I think something that maybe a lot of us are overlooking right now is just how bad the running game was. We're talking yep. about this team that wanted to establish the run, that had a chance to run out the clock a couple times with the run. Carryon Johnson didn't have a carry over nine yards. He averaged 3.1 yards per carry. This team didn't have a run over 10 yards, except for Matthew Stafford on that odd play in which uh, he, he kept it. Uh, 3.6 yards per carry overall, not good enough against what I think was just kind of an okay 
Cardinals front, especially on the interior. So uh, they they got some work to do there. I'm happy with Daryl Bevel. I'm happy with how the offense looked overall, but this isn't exactly the kind of offense that I think Matt Patricia wants in that they're not running the ball very well and, and Stafford's almost getting killed. It's, it's it was just kind of like a head scratcher. It, it, it was a bit of a head scratcher the way that they approached the running game, though. Do you know what I mean? Like Jeremy, mm-hmm. you and I were watching the game, and I made comment. I you know I, I I noticed and made a comment. I can't remember if it was first quarter or second quarter, but I was like, "Where's Carry On Johnson?" It almost seemed like they were going running back by drive. Mm-hmm. Like that, I like, I think that's I think that's what you're gonna see. Like I, I think people may have underestimated how much of a, a role C.J. Anderson will play in this in this offense. Yeah. And, and uh, the coaching staff has, has been saying it all off season. Like we're not going to overwork carry on Johnson. And, and that's going to frustrate a lot of people because he, he got 16 carries and CJ Anderson had 11. So they're right there neck and neck. And, and technically CJ Anderson was yeah. a little more efficient with his runs, but um, this is going to be a one, a one B situation. And, and obviously carry on Johnson is the a to CJ Anderson's B, but this is a running back by committee and, and sorry, fantasy owners, you're not going to like it. Yeah. And I, I think I only call it a head scratcher just because I didn't see it playing out that way, but let's make one thing clear. CJ Anderson is not like Eric blunt. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean, yeah, but early in the game, it kind of felt like it a little bit because the lines didn't convert on those third ones early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not that it was CJ Anderson's fault. I mean, he, he, he's got so much better vision than Legarrette blunt does. And, and he saw, he showed it a little bit later in the game, but I mean, those third and ones, I think, are, are really important to remember and in in terms of just how poorly this offensive line was because the, the key, I think, to Matt Patricia's offense and really overall scheme, for him to be kind of this, this conservative mindset, you have to be able to run the ball late in games. And they started, like, the first drive, they had two drives in which they could have run a lot of clock. The first one, they went three and out. They couldn't run the ball. Second one, the one with the timeout, they started to run the ball a little bit. It's the first time all game they started to look a little bit better at it. Then the timeout happens and, and everything else. But if this team is going to succeed and going, because like I said, Matt Patricia is not going to change. This is how he's going to play the end of games. They just need to be better. They just need to perform better. They need to be able to run the clock out. And I don't know if they can with this set of players. Mm. Two other really frustrating points for me in the game were really early mm. on. And it came to like field position. And I know it was early in the game, lines are on the road, but the third and one play that Jeremy just mentioned, CJ Anderson up the middle for negative one yards. Lions are at the forty they're at their own forty nine yard line and it's fourth and two. Okay. Punt, that's fair. That's fine. But the very next possession, third and six, pass incomplete to Amendola, and then punting from Arizona forty one. Little bit too conservative for my taste. Mm-hmm. I know it's early in the game, but we see how those things we see how those things end up playing themselves out. All right, let's get take, used to it. Get get used to it. Let's take a break. Let's try to look ahead too and try to place this game into the context of what this season is going to be. Sorry, we can't memory hole it. I wish we could. Wish we could take it out back. We're not going to do that. I shouldn't say that when when Ryan's out here cuddling his dog. That is a very cute dog. That is a very, very cute dog. I wish people could see this dog. It's it's really going to help me get through this tie. I can tell. All right. Be right back here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Two segments in the book. One more to come. No mailbag this week. Uh, we're going to have 
something to replace Mailbag in season. But we need to talk more about this game here. It is the week one kickoff. So all hands on deck, going hard in the fourth quarter here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast. We're in the home stretch. And just to recap, again, look, I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier. Lions fans, this ain't the end of the world. And again, you didn't have the worst game of this of the Sunday. I wouldn't even say, like, hold up. I need to look at everything else because there were a lot of games of depression and agony on, on Sunday here. Put aside the Dolphins for a second. Uh, the Jets gave up a 16-point lead. The Bills. <laughs> to the Bills, yep. Yep, they gave up a 16-point lead to the Bills. That happened. Uh, what was it? Seahawks struggled to put away the Bengals. But they did. Oh, my God. That was... Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think what else. Right now, the Patriots... And I feel confident saying this now as the as the third quarter comes to an end. The Patriots are thrashing the Steelers. Uh, hey, the Browns. Everyone's favorite Browns. Ryan's your, your former Browns. Yes, good. Thank you for calling them my former Browns because they went out there and they laid a turd in Cleveland. Me- Tennessee like, came in and just handled them. They they like really did. Yeah. No, I I think people were sleeping on the Titans this year. And uh Baker Mayfield three interceptions, that's not something you want to see if you're the Browns. That's absolutely not. But back to the Lions for a second. Like if you want to be pessimistic about it, this game gives you fuel to be pessimistic. If you want to be positive about it, maybe try to find some of the silver linings. I'm I the the worst thing about the tie is that it's not a win or a loss. So your opinion's not going to really change too much maybe, but I would say net overall this is not a game that builds any confidence in this team. But there are 15 more games to go, 16 more weeks, and we we need to look around the NFL at what's coming down the pike cuz Jeremy like whatever it was i i thought that i thought the cardinals started playing with fire near the end of this game but at the same time too this was a game where we're like looking on paper it's like yeah this is the one that the lions need to win and they didn't they tied which in the nfl for 16 games might as well end for no points given for a tie it might as well be a loss unless it's really close in the nfc north to end the year uh chargers survive today against the colts they look fine with uh, Eckler, even without Melvin Gordon. That's going to be a problem next week for the for the Lions, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing: we we talked about this all off season. How the beginning of the season looks rough. They face three playoff games in the next three games. Um, and yeah, this was a, a win that they they could have certainly had. And now you look at those teams, like you said, the Chargers, they squeak by in overtime. So maybe not the infallible force that that we all thought they were, but they still got the win. Kind of the same story uh, with the with the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. They they go down early against Washington, come back, mount a combat. They 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 still kind of squeak by. Don't not a very convincing 32-27 win, but. They got the job done, and then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Chiefs didn't really have a problem today. They're they're obviously one of the toughest teams on on their schedule right now, and um, Lions may have caught a break with Tyree Kill with his injury. I'm not sure if he's going to be available or not, but 
Um, Lions are going to have to take at least one of these next three games, um, pr- preferably two. And yeah. even even if they pull two out of what look to be upsets in the next three games, that only pulls them to two and two. I was going to say two and two, two one and one. What I uh, worry about with the Ford Field crowd, Jeremy, especially coming home for the Chargers, is that this game we talk about confidence and confidence building, making statements for the fans. We've seen this Ford Field crowd turn on their own team quite a few times. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but without that win, suddenly I think people are going to have a lot less patience waiting in those stands. Oh yeah. No, it's no, going to no, be a very electric crowd. It, yeah, it's going to, yeah. If the Lions don't start fast, there's going to be some, there's going to be some Brooklyn cheers in there for sure. So, or some Bronx cheers, sorry. And, um, but yeah, I, it's, I mean, even just looking at the line right now, the line for the Chargers game is, is minus, Minus three for LA. That's yeah, how much on, confidence. They're, they're, they're a road favorite. Have. They're a road favorite. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Can, well, can I say yeah. this? I don't care about the fans booing. I don't think it affects the team. I, I think it looks bad in terms of optics, but if the lines start slow and get booed, I don't care. I, I just don't care think, that I don't think it's a ma- I don't think it's a major thing, but you do see uh, players in, uh, I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time the Lions talked about it, but I, I do know it affects players. Players talk about it afterwards, that it's like, yeah, it's disappointing that we're getting booed. So it, it does make an impact. It makes them feel bad. Some, some players internalize that and turn it into motivation. Maybe some get sad and disappointed, but I don't care. Like, just go out and play. Just go okay. out and win. Just go and start playing well, and people won't boo. Is that is that, is that your best John Gruden impression without wiretapping? Just, just, just play football, man. Just play You're some a good football. football player. <laughs> Has anyone talked about how Ryan? Uh... Ryan, Ryan, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, Ryan. okay. I found out today that Ryan does a very good John Gruden impression, and I know I'm You've forcing it now. You've been holding this from us. <laughs> I haven't been withholding it from you. It's just Hold uh, up. if you do it's a... just nothing that I've really I've, 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 it's nothing I've entertained doing on the podcast. My the problem is my best coach impersonation is Steve Spurrier, who's who hasn't been an NFL coach for a hot minute. So I mean, I'm on the outside here. You've got to do your Gruden. I I'll do my Gruden, but I'll do it at the end. What I want to mention real quick oh is God. we 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 talked about players and maybe taking losses to heart. Have you already seen what Snacks put out on Twitter and what CJ Anderson put out on Twitter themselves? No, I haven't. Let's go. Uh, let's go to Twitter. Let's go to the Twit machine. I mean, like CJ Anderson put out something like "Not my best outing." You know, Snacks said that this loss is 100% on him. That okay. he got outplayed. That the Cardinals. The Cardinals you know, outplayed him. I mean, those are two pretty, those are two pretty important players to be coming out on Twitter and, and, and saying things like that. Better yeah, dudes. I, you yep. know how to handle it. No, I mean like the, I, I appreciate they're at least taking some responsibility for it. You know, it's not just bogging down or whatever, going and hiding. Like they, they, they face up to it. I, I we didn't, we didn't even talk about snacks on at all in this podcast. I think well, that's yeah, the funny thing. Can you imagine watching <laughs> that game and thinking that snacks was a reason the Lions no, lost? No, he was not. He was absolutely <laughs> I mean, not. I will say this. The Lions run defense was a minor disappointment. They weren't horrible today and, and the stats don't look very good. 4.9 yards per carry and 112 rushing yards for the Cardinals. You still, held, like you still the held, Cardinals were. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's not like the Cardinals were rushing all over them all game, and they, they held Kyler Murray in check. So one thing they're they're so good at under Matt Patricia is is holding mobile quarterbacks to to nothing essentially on the ground. 
Um, but yeah, it, it, it wasn't a great day for the run defense. And but that's I mean, the, the Lions did not lose the game because of the run no, defense. They didn't Everyone lose saw it what happened. David Johnson did not run all over the Lions. That's not why there's a tie at the end of this game. No. We're good. We're good, Snacks. We're good. Don't don't worry. Don't worry. He knew we were coming out with the clubs. Uh, what do you make of the NFC North, by the way? Like, we had that... Here's the thing about that Thursday night game. It was a Thursday night kickoff game in week one. I don't take anything out of it. I'm not writing off the Bears. I'm not saying they're awful, and I'm not uh, getting gassed up on Aaron Rodgers. Mitch Trubisky looks bad, but... I don't know what to like that. Those Thursday night kickoff games are historically so chaotic. I don't have anything to say about it. I I really don't. I'd much rather while talking about the division, talk about the the Vikings, but go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. I don't think it's worth much talking about Maserati Mitch, because I think that we know who Mitchell Trubisky is at this point. I don't think it's going to take, I don't even think it'll take, you know, six more games this season for me to finally put my stamp of this is who Mitchell Trubisky is and this is who he will always be. I, I, I just don't see the growth happening for him. Um, now, Jeremy and I watched the Vikings game together, and I there were multiple times when I looked over at Jeremy, I was like, I forgot about Dalvin Cook. Yep. And if that guy can stay healthy, did you see the stat line that Kirk Cousins had today? Yeah, he had what was it? Uh, he only he was averaging like ten yards a pass, right? Yeah, I, but like he, 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 he didn't get used. He didn't get used a lot, if I remember. He only made like what 10, 11 throws or something. Yeah, this was this was a football this was a fo- this was a football team that won a game today. Their quarterback went eight for ten for ninety eight yards and a touchdown. Oh my god! Wow. I mean, you can do that use them. You can do that when Dalvin Cook runs the ball 21 times for 111 yards and his backup Madison runs for nine, you know, nine carries for 49 yards. 38 carries for 172 yards on the ground. They absolutely manhandled them. And you know what? The problems and the concerns that the Lions have on the outside protecting Stafford at the at the tackle position, that's going to be a big problem when they play the Vikings. It'll be a big problem when they play the Bears. It'll be a big problem when they play any team that has any type of formidable pass rush. Yep. Yeah, and that's kind of that's that's the limiting factor when I look at the Lions this year is like, okay, once again, we're going to like really struggle against teams that, you know, maybe we deserve to be struggling against or should be putting away. And then, like, God help us, maybe you steal a game against some of the big heavy hitters out there. It's why I've been so bearish on them uh, right now. Just, my, yeah. Go, go on, mean, Jeremy. It's, it's hard for me to, to know exactly where the lines stand right now. I, I It's week one. It's feel, week one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's week one. Yeah. But the one thing I take from the NFC North, and it's actually a tweet that, that TJ Lang put out Thursday night, and it's something that, seems kind of right, especially after everything that we've seen so far. And that he, he says, quote, I think the NFC North has a legit chance to have four of the top 10 defenses this year. I mean, just think, hmm. just look at the performance Thursday night, two really good defensive performances. Obviously there were some issues on both offensive sides of the ball. Minnesota looks just as good defensively as, as they ever have. They completely shut down Matt Ryan all day. The, the 12 points that Atlanta scored, we're all in the fourth quarter after it was already 28 nothing. The game was already over. 
and the Lions defensively looked solid. And and I would say the Lions of, of all four of those teams still have more questions than answers because they're facing off against the first time. You know, they're going against a rookie quarterback. They're going against a, a rookie head coach, all that sort of stuff. But it was certainly a promising debut. The fact that they held the the, the Cardinals to, to nine points essentially through three and a half quarters, it's enough to make me think maybe this defense can hold up. They're, they're, like we said, they answered some questions at cornerback this this day. Um Devon Kennard looks looks as good as ever. Maybe there's still some questions on the front seven, but overall, I, this is just going to be a very defensive-heavy division, and I'm I'm curious as to maybe if the Lions c- can hold up because we saw all the problems on the offensive line today. We really did, and we saw just problems all around when it comes to the Lions at the end of the day. I'm just... It's it's still something I'm unpacking, and I thought I would have it all unpacked by now, and... I think that's the problem with a tie, Jeremy. This is the first time we've had to deal with a tie since, like, what, 83? Well, yeah, something like that. Yeah, think yeah, it's, yeah, the Eagles. Yeah, somewhere in the 80s. 80s. But, I mean, I mean, it's a fool's errand to pretend that you have everything figured out after week one, no matter what happened. I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting I'm here saying just talking the about lines this, are screwed. Yeah, I'm mostly just talking about this game itself. Oh. <laughs> like, there, there's, I, I keep turning this over, and there's a new... It's, it's like one of those paper things where you just keep, like, opening it... Uh, I, I forget what they're origami. called. No, 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 not origami. It's like those little paper uh, diamond things I see girls play with all the time. Cootie uh, catchers. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you don't know what a cootie catcher is? Cootie catcher. No. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, not- well, fine. E- either way, like I keep looking <laughs> at this game from another angle and something else pops up in my face. That's mm. the point I'm trying to make. Thank you gotcha. for making me feel uh, completely out of touch with... Uh, my feminine side. With, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a woman. I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but uh, yeah, it was a declarative I, statement. That's what it sounded like. It was a declarative statement. I mean, it, it's like you said. If you, if you're a Lions optimist, you're going to take the first 50 minutes of this game and run with it and say, "Hey, you know what? This team is actually promising. Daryl Bevel looks pretty good. Defense looks pretty good. Maybe they still have a shot. Yeah, they blew one game, but there's 15 left." If you're a pessimist, you say, hey, this coaching staff's mind is in the wrong place. Their their philosophies are going to get this team in trouble in games where they shouldn't get in trouble. They're bound for another 8-8 eight and eight season because they're living on the razor's edge, and, and they're going to win some of these games. They're going to lose some of these games. And once again, you the Kool-Aid. I don't, yeah. I don't know at this point. I don't Kool-Aid know. drinkers know, or this SOL? Team looked, this team looks better than they did pretty much all of last season. But, yeah, coaching, coaching sank them, and it's a coaching problem that I don't think is going to go away. So... I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to just throw my hands up and be like, you know what? Let's just ride the wave here because who the hell knows? Hey, man, will you please just cut the shit and play football? You're a great football player, man. Just go out there and play football. Goodbye, everyone. See you star side.